Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Buddy. Just a quick shout out to The Wreck for hosting the podcast each week. The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone, and we hope that someone is you. I just want to say thank you again each week to all the listeners who take the time to hear the stories of our guests. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, give us a review, and share this podcast with your friends, family, and on your favorite social media platform. We want to get these messages out to the people and to impact the world one testimony at a time. By the way, if you want to be on our show, be a guest, or if you know of somebody that wants to be a guest, we would love to chat with you and uh, get you on here. This morning, I'm excited to introduce my friend and guest, David Giglio. Welcome, David. Great great to be here. Thank you. I'm really uh, excited to have you on here. You're really one of my favorite people. You may or may not know that, but I really dig you. I think you're a cool dude. And you and I have had a lot of great conversations over the years. And uh, I like our meetings that we have roughly once a month. Yeah, no, I. You're also one of my favorite people as well, buddy. I feel like uh, we've we've also had this chance to to start meeting more regularly, which yeah. has been amazing. And and you're also. I was thinking about this uh, today. Is like you're also like you were when we were first starting. When I was first starting the company, uh, Skyline Video Productions, you were like one of our first clients, mm-hmm. and I remember like just how encouraging uh, that whole process was, and all just learning through that, and um, yeah, and just. I just think you're someone that really exemplifies how to live um, the Christian life in business, in the world, mm. in a way that's just open, loving yourself, um, and uh, just a great encouragement. So I'm just, I'm mm. excited to be, to, to have this conversation. Well, brother, thank you. It's funny, when I remember that when you guys did the videos for our team, I didn't know you were new because you guys were highly professional. Seriously, like, it was big time. So... I didn't know that, but good to know. That's the whole like say fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. No, it worked. No, it's no, it's it's true. It's like I mean, I think we did good work, but yeah, it was one of our first. It was one of our first paying gigs, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because we did like we spent like basically a year just doing free, really cheap portfolio building work, and yeah, yeah, and then we started to yeah. And now you're what five years into it? Six years. Yeah, yeah. Six years. Just got just past the six year mark. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have, we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to talk about Skyline uh, Video Productions. But so let me just do a quick intro of you. I made you kind of send to me what was uh, the highlights. I know you pretty well, but I'm going to read yours word for word, just because it's you, and I want to introduce you. So number one, you said I'm a friend of God, and it's the best. I would agree. Two, I'm a husband and father uh, who's who's been blessed with the best wife and two kids. Um. So introduce your wife and then also talk about your two kids. And I know Soli has cerebral palsy. Uh, what, what you did say about uh, Soli is that while it's hard, it's also been one of my richest blessings in my life. So tell me about your wife's name, how anybody's been married, and then your kids. Yeah. So my wife, uh, Olivia, we met uh, at, at Corbin when I was going there about... Um, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. And then, uh, yeah, we've been married now for, for six years and yeah, she is just, she's amazing. Mm. And, uh, it, uh, when I, I remember when I first met her, I was, I was, I was actually dating somebody else and, and, uh, I eventually broke up with this other person and we started dating. And I remember, I remember having this conversation, I think with my mom and I was like, man, there's this other, there's this girl. And 
when I'm around her, I just feel at peace, you know? Oh. And, and I remember the first conversation we had, it was just like we knew each other like our whole lives. And, um, and she's been such an incredible, incredible uh, person. I can't ask for anyone else. And, uh, and then I have two kids, Nova, who's four, and she is just incredible. She's a lot like me, very, very outgoing and crazy. And, and then Soli, uh, his actually name is Samuel Solzhenitsyn Giglio, uh, but we call him Soli. And uh, he, uh, when, when he was, uh, his story is that when, with, with the 20-week ultrasound, I remember getting the call and uh, Olivia was just uh, sharing with me that they thought he was going to, he thought he, that she had just gotten the call and they thought he was going to die in, 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 in the womb and that they had very, very little um, fluid in there. And I remember, man, that was just such a crazy time, just that shock of he's going to, he's going to be there and then going into the doctors and, and just them even just being like, you know, a lot of people would, would end this pregnancy and, um, uh, and, and, you know, we were not going to do that. We, we were going to, you're going to stay with it. And then just slowly that whole process of going into OHSU, finding some answers that he actually had a, a, a viral infection, um, um, uh, and I'm actually blanking on the name. I know it. I've said it a thousand times, but yeah. I can't think of it right now. But a, a virus um, that affects the the fetus, and and uh, he was just sick, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that sickness really affected his growth and really his brain development. Yeah. And so from that, he he basically has too many folds in his brain. And so with that, there's a lot of um, things like so he was pretty mild-ish form of cerebral palsy. Um, and, uh, affects his vision and, and hearing and, and, uh, but man, he is, he is the best. He is such a joy mm-hmm. every single day and watching him just learn to, to walk and, um, he's in a walker now and just taking and some steps and he's two. he's two, yeah, he's two now. So that's just been an amazing s- story and journey, but yeah, that's my family. That's the long okay. version. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about family in a little bit. Number three, you say, I'm a youth and worship pastor in Staten whose passion is to reach youth and seek the face of Jesus. Four, I part own a small business called Skyline Video Productions, which we talked about here in Salem. You say, I'm a Staten city counselor. Number six, I went to Asbury Revival in February and Jesus has brought personal revival in my own heart, life, and call. We're going to talk about the word revival because I want to hear more about what that really means. And then lastly, number seven, my passion and the call of my heart is that our children would know no other church than that filled with the glory of God. I like that. All that was awesome. And then what's funny is you, were, you and I were talking about how much coffee we had for breakfast. And you said, I think you said this, self-medication for ADHD. Is that what you said coffee That's was? That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's my self-medication for my self-diagnosis. Okay. okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, That's right. First of all, we have a lot to talk about. So it's going to be really awesome. I can't wait to really dive in and... You know, life is, it's been good to you, right? Would you say? But uh, yeah. also challenging to you because how else could you grow without challenge? Yeah, no, it's, God's blessed me in so many ways. Like I, I've been thinking about just that throughout my life, there's just, there has been this like favor and this, he's opened so many doors and given me opportunities at such a young age that were just incredible. But again and again, challenges and um those obstacles have come as well and and those are the places where we grow absolutely we and, don't want them though, yeah, do yeah. We? no we don't we Lord, don't make those obstacles go away but he's like no no i need you to grow david in this area 
really not even for your own purpose, but for the purpose of someone else. That's right. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I would say that this the recent story in my life really started, like, I would say, like, even the lead up to the As- going to the Asbury Revival was, um, it was early earlier that month where our business was going through some really tough financial, financial, uh, challenges and all that stuff. And I was really, I was struggling with it. And actually I lashed out that it was the morning I was getting up and I was at an elders meeting and I kind of lashed out in the kind of a way that wasn't good. Right. And it was prideful. And, and, um, I was just kind of in my time with God after that and just kind of wrestling with that, like conviction. And, and it was weird because, Really, for the first time, I remember just feeling this overwhelming sense of joy that it was happening, that this challenge, this like thing was happening, even from the financial stress, which is probably the reason I lashed out, to the lashing out was like thankful that it was happening because I felt this overwhelming sense that God was like, no, I, there's so much more for you. And the only way you're going to grow is going through this and not not running away from it in any way, but going through it. And so that kind of has, that was kind of the first piece of it but like since then and and my whole life um learning to embrace the discipline of the lord as love mm. is is huge that's like a mic drop right there boom well it's like it, it is hebrews hebrews 12 is such a powerful chapter where it's like jesus god only disciplines those he loves and so when we are disciplined by the lord we see it as this sign of love when we're walking with jesus right mm-hmm. um and, and then he talks about there's these brutes of bitterness that can grow and really trying to be, and those two roots of bitterness says are sexual immorality and like the Esau, the, like I'm going to go find a bowl of soup instead of the birthright Jesus is giving me. Yeah. And I think those are really summed up by pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure and comfort, right? That we're like, God, this is uncomfortable. This is not pleasurable, right? Like all yeah. those things. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go seek it around you. Go like shortcut what God's doing so that I can feel better in a moment is that, as I opposed mean, to receiving a, it. A pandemic of, or epidemic of people on drugs and alcohol and um, overeating and because we're seeking comfort, but we can't find it in this world, can we, other than Christ? Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I think I was listening to the Mitch Anderson podcast that you sent me and it's it's so true. It's like that com- that contentment that I am restless till I find my rest in you, that mm. it's Ecclesiastes, really. Like Ecclesiastes, that whole book is, it's like, uh, I've heard it described as like the lie soap of like the Bible, right? Mm. It's actually one of the best examples that I think the Bible should, the Bible is so amazing because the Bible is such good philosophy too. Like it's so true. Like you read Ecclesiastes and you're like, nothing lasts. It's all smoke. If you can't hold on to it, you might, Feel it for a second, yeah. but that pleasure, that comfort is going to dissipate. And that's all supposed to call us to God. It's all supposed to be this thing that like, no, life isn't going to satisfy. It's right. never going to satisfy apart from Jesus. But then Jesus, he is the living water and he is the bread of life and he is what satisfies. And I think even Christians, we often live on the edge of that, like that even believing that Jesus really satisfies and he really is the bread of life. But yeah, that's that. I think it was even like there's this George Herbert poem that I remember reading a long time ago, and I can't remember the specifics, but it's just like God gives his children all these gifts. But the one thing that he holds back is rest, because rest 
calls us to him, pushes us to him. It's like God-shaped hole in your heart, right? It's like all of these ways that we try to say the same thing, but we know we're incomplete without God, yeah. without something more. Matthew eleven twenty eight, one of my favorite Bible verses, where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's only when we come to him. It's nowhere else, is it? No. Wow. That, and what a powerful verse. And I think really a verse that is so much, I think for, for our gener, for, for I think in general, men, women, but also I think take that to millennials and Gen Z and you think about the effects that social media have had in particular on, on, on kids, just all just the ways that I think kids have been isolated and this generation has been isolated more. And you just see, I mean, the, the records are just off the charts of, of anxiety and depression and loneliness. And, 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 and I think, I think there's really a lot to be said for like very few generations have been attacked as heavily um, by the enemy, I think as, as this, these generations the, from, 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 from the lies about, I think gender and, and sexual sexuality from the lies around just stress and anxiety and, 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 and all of that, there's, there's so many false hopes, um, that just leave, I think kids really, really, really like hungry and, and needing something. And so that promise of rest I think that Jesus is is giving to that generation in particular and and I think to all of us, but I think there's just a particular, like, I don't know, it feels like the core of what he's doing in the world right now. Like it feels like the core of, um, I think what, what God is calling um, people into. Yeah, that's good, man, that's deep. Hey, let's go back a little bit and really, uh, let's get to know who David is, you know, and then we'll get to some good stories and we want to hear about revival and what God's doing in your heart today, but yeah. back us up. Where were you born, raised, uh, what were your parents like? And just give us a little bit of a, a history of who David is. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Staten, which is where I live now. Big city. Um, yeah. Yeah. Staten, um, which is like, I think anyone in the area knows where that is. It's uh, 50 miles to the east of Salem and uh, a smallish town. Um yeah, I, I grew up uh, loving Jesus, right? My parents loved Jesus. Um, there were definitely difficulties in the home at times, but they all loved Jesus, right? And um, and even from an early age, I can remember, and this is a very interesting story because even out of Asbury, I, I used to feel a lot of shame around my childhood and teen years in particular. Like I would definitely like look back and I would feel nothing but almost this very immense shame around it. Um. But even recently, there was an event that happened, I think a couple months after Hesbury, where I was just literally in the shower. And it was like God kind of like opened my eyes to what he had been doing my whole life. And it was just a very fascinating, interesting thing. So yeah, I think from the very early age, I desired to see God, to know God, to talk to God. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I became a Christian when I was four or whatever. And, and really? uh, That's funny. Yeah. That's awesome. And and I think it was real. Like, I think, I think it was, I, I think there are times where I would rededicate my life and it would become more real, struggle with real sin. But I think it was, I've been walking with Jesus that whole time, you know, in 12, 12, 13, that time period. Um, I think it was like eight, actually eight and nine, uh, had kind of an experience with a cousin that kind of opened my, like kind of exposed me to some sexual stuff earlier than was good, you know, and uh, pursued kind of. I think porn at an earlier age, probably like 
think I got exposed to it at like 10 or 11. And then that definitely defined uh, a lot of my middle and high school years was just this battle with porn, really being exposed to it at an age where you really can't say no to it. Like that's, that's the hard thing even looking back, like when an 11 year old sees porn, like you it's hard to not like it really is it's it's impo- it's literally like chemically speaking apart from a like intervention of god it's impossible to not look and um it's like giving a kid cocaine like you can't not say the no, no to the cocaine at 12 what? um and and so wrestling with that um attack my life and then and then just with that sin being in and out of it and then but each time even in the middle of that scene even all alone right when i didn't tell anyone and thinking I was just kind of this isolated pervert at, at this age, um, always going to Jesus, right? Always going to Jesus in repentance and believing he brought mm-hmm. that repentance. And 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 then at about 16, 17, I think, I was at camp and they were really talking about bringing things into the light. Like that when it says like walk in the light as I am in light, that's this idea of walking in truth and that people need to know, right? It's not just you and God, you have a family that can help you. And so that's when I started to really be more serious about, hey, I want to just share this with people. I want to talk to people about it, just be honest and vulnerable. And he started to bring some healing from that, right? And that healing continued in greater measure, in greater degree as I continued to battle with it. Um, uh, just do war with it over my kind of my whole time through college up into marriage. And I've been set free from that, thankfully. Um, and it was also in that time about 18, 19, when I read a couple things that I think really shaped, I think really like spoke to the core of who I was things that I felt very early, like even just wanting to desire God, speak to God. And I think it was, uh, I was at the camp, 18 year old last year at camp, I think. And, uh, there was this, there was this guy who gave this talk on praying and uh, I remember he was saying like, you should just talk to God like he's a friend, right? He sh- like, like, don't just, you don't have to like think of all these right things to say, just approach him as a friend and, and just tell him your favorite color, I think was what he said. And so I remember having this walk with God and, and I, remember, uh, I remember just like being like, hey God, my favorite color is green, you know? And, uh, and he took me down and I just was walking with him and, and I felt like he just like showed me this thing across the river and it was just this green, um, green like you know algae or whatever I don't know like grass but it was just really vibrant really beautiful and I really felt like like God said like there's a green for you right and it was just this really simple mm. thing but it man it was just this one of those first times I really remember hearing the voice of God and it's not like an inaudible voice it's not something you necessarily hear right but your spirit speaks to you and and it's like I, I think it's God just saying I love you right in that moment. It's not even anything about, you need to go do this. Or it's like, no, it's like, he just wants to speak with you and be with you because he wants to be your friend, right? He wants that friendship and that intimacy with God. And so that was kind of where it started was this idea of friendship with God. And I've been in, I have not walked faithfully in that, right? Even pursuing that like friendship, but um, but that's kind of that first experience. And then later at 19, I think first year of college, I read Tozer's, A.W. Tozer's, The Pursuit of God. Mm. And that book, man, that is like, if you could read one book, I give it actually when for our youth group, when somebody graduates youth group, that's the book. I give them like a gift card, right? And I give them The Pursuit of God because like, if we can just, if they want one thing, right, is to pursue God um, and his glory and being with him and experiencing his presence. Um, there's nothing more. So from that, um, I wanted to get used to want to go do big things, big places. As I always explain, like go make big movies somewhere or go be president of the United States. I was political, political dreams and movie dreams. Um, but slowly God has 
really refine those dreams and sanctify those dreams and um, and called me really back home to like where I grew up um, to 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 be a pastor and to mm. to be a missionary and and to really my heart and my focus is reaching kids, reaching this youth, this generation uh, with the love of Jesus, with the presence of Jesus. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and maybe potentially being a pa- like a lead pastor someday, but right now my heart and my focus is definitely on youth. Um, yeah. And so part of that journey, I helped start a company, uh, Skyline Video Productions and been leading that for the last six years, but actually transitioning out of that now. And, um, yeah, but that's a, that's a nutshell. I'm not very good at saying things short winded, but yeah, no, that's, just, <laughs> that's fantastic. Story. You know, it's interesting, you know, just because you become a believer and we're saved, we're going to heaven. It doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. We're still in this world. We're not, we're in the world, but not of the world. Yet we can still be tempted by the world, right? As we walk by means of the flesh, not by means of the spirit. I think we all do, right? We all struggle with our flesh, but God does the sanctifying and it's a process, right? And it'll yeah. keep happening until he calls us home. But if you don't go through a difficult time, then how on earth can you help someone else who's going through a difficult time? Right, so right. your your challenges and struggles are exactly what these kids are probably dealing with as they're growing up at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen, whatever. So God has you right where He needs you. Those challenges and hard things and sin, even right. God redeems to be able to be your testimony, right? Your testimony that's going to be able to to impact kids right where they're at or the people that you're serving right where you're at. And that requires, what I've realized again and again is that it requires more and more and more of the light, right? Like you never just, and I think as being a pastor, this is something I really, um, and just youth pastor, worship pastor, but really on my heart is like that vulnerability, that there's often this fear around being vulnerable, especially like lead pastors, I think sometimes feel this fear about being known completely. And I just, I, I just again and again, like, for me, I know that I have to be known entirely and completely so that someone is knowing exactly these are the sins that I'm struggling with right now. Yeah. And, and why am I afraid to share that? Yeah. Why am I defined by that? Like, no, I want victory over that. I want purity. I want true holiness. And true holiness and purity only comes through true confession, true pursuit, true repentance. And so I found even with like discipling kids one-on-one, like what I try to do is just be vulnerable. Like I'm not necessarily showing them like, Hey, this is, if I, this is the thing that happened you know, yesterday. Right. But I'm very vulnerable about like, this is who I am. This is what I struggle with. This Do I spend time with God every day? No. Am I, am I, am I, am I on, I just share them with where I'm at with the journey. Right. Um, thankfully I am spending more time with God, right. Than, yeah. I, than I was two years ago or one yeah. year ago. But, um, but being vulnerable and honest is like, I think just a huge, a huge part of that because it allows you to be like, oh, I actually know this about you. And I'm, yeah. there's this great thing that Jack Deere talks about. Um, Jack Deere is like, he was, uh, I think he was like the second under like John Wimber when they were starting like, went, under Vineyard for a while. And, and man, he has this amazing thing where he talks about how we pastors are almost more guilty of this than more, most people is that we sanitize our stories. Right, like we sanitize our story. Ooh, we try to tell the like the sanitized version, right? But but and then that just discourages people. 
It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody because well, it's like doesn't struggle. So. Yeah, and and like you talked about this uh, uh, with Mitch Anderson on the podcast I listened to, and it was like it was so good. It was like we talked about going home, right? And that just that what is it like to just go home and be present with your family and actually enjoy them yeah. is hard. Discard. Right. And if you're just like, oh, I'm a great father and a great dad and I never have struggles, like that's really discouraging yeah, for me. Anybody. Right. Cause like I know that for me, I want bedtime a lot of the time. Right. Like I want the kids to I get to bed. Time, yeah. You know, I want to get to me time. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but when you're honest and you're pushing towards you, you're honest, you know, you can't stay there, but you're honest about where you're at. Then you're saying, okay, but what's actually, what is God, what is God calling us to? And how, do, how do I actually, be present with my family? How do we not fake it, but how do I actually love my family as Christ loves them and mm. reflect his love to them? So, Steve, to, to know God and to be known by him is you and I being transparent. That's why we come together right. as brothers, you know, you know, the iron sharpens iron, you know, it's sparks fly. And on last week's podcast, uh, if you listen to it, uh, the conversations like this here, a guy was struggling in his marriage, goes to see a pastor, and the pastor's like, just so you know, this is biblical counseling. He goes, yeah, okay, yeah, I got that. And then he asks the question, how many good people are in heaven? And the guy's like, I don't know, maybe a few? He goes, there's zero, only forgiven. And realizing that Jesus paid the full price, we can never pay it. Why are we trying? That's not the goal is to walk in. It is to walk in good works, but not in my works, in his works that he's already prepared beforehand and confess my sin when I do sin and not to sanitize our story as you put it. That's a really good way of doing that because we all want to sanitize our story and only just tell the, oh, you know, I have a bad day here and there. No, no, no. What's the real truth? I don't know if you really want to know. You yeah. Know? I heard one time I was meeting with a friend of mine, a Christian guy, good guy, just a great guy, loves the Lord. He goes, he, he's saying to maybe about his wife, he goes, or to a friend, he goes, you wouldn't want to know what goes on in my brain most of the time. I would agree with that. Like, yeah, just it's wild. So thankfully we have Jesus to, to confess our sins to. Absolutely. No. And, and, and I think it's, it's 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 hard to talk about all these things because at times it's easy to be misinterpreted, right? Because we're always the gospel, like what Jesus does and what he achieves for us and what he calls us to is all encompassing. And so you often get people who really focus on, hey, and I, I think this is the heartbeat, this is the 100% core of the gospel is your identity in Jesus Christ, right? Like that Jesus paid it all. And that you never get beyond Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the story. He's everything. So everything you, everything you live for is about friendship with Jesus, knowing Jesus, being known by Jesus. And then, and then you start to realize, okay, there is a second part. There is what we are called into, but it's not apart from that. It's not separate from that. And so sometimes I hear people like really are practical in their faith and it's like, okay, we're going to go do these things. We're going to, but like, you can't just go be loving, right? You can't just go be joyful. You have to become a loving person, become a joyful person, which is only happens in the presence of Jesus only happens when we abide in Jesus. And so I, I don't want to say that like, okay, we're just 
forgiven and not called to be holy. Because I think we are called to be holy. I think we're called to be a holy people, a bride prepared for the bridegroom, right? Pure and holy. And so that doesn't mean perfect, right? That doesn't mean, it just means that, but, 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 but it also, it's not about being holy or perfect or looking good in front of other people. So that actually incentivizes us to say, I'm going to be as honest as I can with somebody. I want to be as open as I can, as real as I can, because the only person that matters is Jesus, and I can never hide from him. I can never I can never pretend to be something. All I want to do is live in authenticity with Jesus, and he knows how ugly my pride is. He knows how ugly my, my view of myself is. He knows all of that. So, like, why would I— why do I care what somebody else thinks as opposed to what Jesus thinks, right? Like that's- So interesting. That's, it's like, so, and so I think it, it is about being transformed into the image of Christ. I want to, like Dallas Willard puts it this way, like to be, to discipleship is growing in doing what, Je- like what would Jesus do if he were you? What would Jesus be if he were you? So it's a little different than what would Jesus do? So like, but it's like for you, buddy, like what would Jesus do if he was a father and a husband and a mortgage broker and a business person? It's to like, it's not quite the same as saying, what would Jesus do? Cause like, I'm not in Galilee, you know, like, you know, it wasn't that right. time, but like, who has he made you to be? Who is the person that you've been created to be before? Like you were, there was a blueprint that was laid out for buddy gifts that were given to buddy calling that was given to buddy that jesus empowers jesus fills us mm. with and so um so it is that like i because I, I we're created for that we're created for call we're created for jesus but it can never be like um can never be apart from him or even for any other goal other than knowing him or loving him like it's not even to earn or prove or None of that. You can't earn anything from Jesus. Can't prove yourself before Jesus. Can't, nope. It's only done in friendship with Jesus. Like you, you sound um, like a pastor or something, David. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, uh, you know, I love it. It's 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 awesome. It's what what you're saying is God knows you more than anybody, right? Jesus knows you more than anybody, right? Uh, the fear of man is a snare, right? So why are we worried about that, right? Yeah, the fear you of know? God is all that. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's fear God, and, right. and, and live a better life and be authentic and. And be transparent with him and not run from him. Right. And be trans and being transparent with him requires that you are transparent with other people. Because every because one. God is going to tell you when you're honest with God and when you're listening to the voice of God's going, God is going to tell you, go be honest with this person. Go surrender to this person. What are you afraid of? That's what he always like, what are you afraid of? Yeah. Like, are you afraid of me? Are you afraid of God? Like, are you, I mean, are you like are you living in the fear of God? Like not as like afraid or like cowering, but right. are you living in the fear of God or are you afraid of what this person thinks of you and that you'll somehow, everything will crumble if you like let them know who you are? I think we're honestly afraid of man. Yeah. I mean, and we shouldn't be. I mean, God's the creator of all and he says, come to me, be my friend, be out, you know, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. That's right. You know, he's, he knows everything. We don't hide anything. Right. Yeah, we think somehow we're we're hiding. Well, and that's why his yoke's easy and his burden is light. His burden is light and his, his yoke is easy because in him there's rest and there's peace. And we're, when we're fully known, like there's this great song I love is like uh, like Will Reagan and United Pursuit. And it's just, it's just so simple. It's just like, 
uh, I find that I'm safe and warm in your loving arms. And then it just, there's a sec, the part is just goes, uh, you see me, you know me, you love me through and through. And it's like, that is, that's what the core of every human wants is to be, is to be seen, mm. to be known, to have no, to know, like, I want my wife to know what goes on in my brain. I want, I want every, I want, I want, I want, because I want that opportunity for love. That's supernatural, like supernatural. When I when I let someone in to say, "Hey, this is," and I, it when it's like living in that radical vulnerability with others and with your wife, opens up the opportunity for them to love you as Jesus. Yeah. Because like I remember some of the most times I felt the most loved in my life was when I was struggling with porn while dating Olivia, and each time I'd made this commitment that I was going to tell her. I was going to tell her and the times I felt the most loved um, and I've told her when I've struggled since. Right. Um, and um, the, in each time I would tell her it was awful, right? It was just the worst. It's yeah. terrible. Like, yeah. like one of the reasons like, man, it's a lot easier to confess to God sometimes, right? Oh yeah. He's good. Um, but when you confess to this person that you are hoping to marry, you know, um, it's, it could all crush, it could all fall apart, Good. right? Yeah. And it's this vulnerability, right? And she's not even married to you, so there's not even a re like, you know, she's not even forced to say, you know, like whatever, you know, like quote, quote unquote, it's forced, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when she then has this opportunity, and she did, to love in a supernatural way, in a way that's not just like from her own strength, but the spirit strength in her, right? That like... And, and man, I felt like the most loved in those moments and changed and worked on. And so mm. it's just, I think, I think we, it's just, you talked about this earlier. You can't grow unless you go through the hard stuff. Can't. And so it's just to say like, instead of running from the hard stuff, I want to embrace every hard thing and go through it and receive what God wants to give me in it. Mm. Like, cause he's like, he wants more for you through it. He wants to give you something more through it. It's kind of like Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for you, God, are with me. You're with me. You're riding your staff. God's going to let us go through the the tough times, but he's yeah. also with us. So, Well, one of those things about that Psalm 23 is that uh, in the in just the whole flow of that passage, it's all one thing. We often think of, oh, the streams are over here. The green pasture is over here, and then the valley is over here. It's oh, no like God brings peace, satisfaction in the midst of our valleys of shadow of death, right? It's like that quote, uh, one of the best, sorry, quote verse, one of the best verses is, I am sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It's like that is paradox that, of like, is that David? Uh, it's Paul, sorry. I think. I think okay. Paul's like, right. I'm sorrowful yet always rejoicing. I don't know what it's in one of those epistles, Man, but it's <laughs> deep. Okay, so so you and Olivia have been married for six years. Yeah. You have two kids. You know, walk us through the journey of, you know, getting married. How'd you propose to her? I'm always curious what that looked like for you. You know, you're still married. That's good. Yeah. And then some of your greatest challenges, you know, I know you're extremely authentic and transparent, but my wife and I were just talking recently, like even a week ago, like all the, we've been married for coming up on 32 years and only by God's grace, by the way. Like, how do you deal with me? Like, I'm just this knucklehead, right? Yeah. <laughs> My wife will be agreeing about right now, pretty sure. <laughs> but 
you know, people, you know, we, we have lots of friends that have gone through divorce, probably more friends that have gone through divorce than are, than are still married. What age were they when they were divorced? That's an interesting question. My wife's like, think about all the people that we know that have been divorced. When were they divorced? Mostly in their 20s, interestingly enough. That's what we, that's our conclusion. You're in your 20s still, David. How old are you? 27. Dude, you're just a baby, man. That's right. Baby, just a baby. I'm 28 next week, so I guess that. Brother. I, I, I feel like I'm beyond the age, though, when I need to say, Oh, my birthday. My birthday. Come on, what is your birthday? It's the 24th, yeah. Okay, I'm the 29th. That's right. That's good. It's a good good month. Right? That's right. That's why we like each other. That's right. (laughs) What are those, you know, how long you've been married, you know, all that stuff, but really some of those challenges that in your 20s, David's still trying to find his way. He's a new business owner. God's pulling him into ministry. Some of those challenges that you guys deal with and how do you get through them? Because that's the only question is, how's God helped you get through those challenges. I'm assuming being human, you have problems too. I'm perfect. No. Um, (laughs) um, I think, I think it's technically, I think it's like the seventh or eighth year of your marriage where like a lot of it, I think by the numbers is when it like starts to break down more, Um, which I think we're on year seven now. So be praying for you. Dear Lord. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I, um, I guess I'll start with the first part of the question is our our, our uh, dating and stuff. I do want to share just quickly before yeah, I get into the hard please. stuff. I just hope I don't forget because my mind is ADHD. So remind me to get back to the hardcore part of the question. Um, I do want to share. I am always very proud of the way I proposed, but, um, you know, it's my pride coming through. But <laughs> no, uh, You can be proud without being proud. Yeah, that's right, that? that's right. So actually, I knew really early, I knew I wanted to marry her pretty early on. Like, I, I remember, like, I remember after the first, long conversation we had, I went into the bathroom and I couldn't, I was like, literally like, I can't believe I just met my wife. Like, that's what I was thinking. And, um, and not met, but had this conversation. I can't believe this is happening. Uh, and so about a year into our dating, I started to write these letters where like the first letter of the second line would eventually spell, will you marry me? Right. So that, so then by two years after that, I'd written like 15 letters and she put them all together. But like, it was like, and I took her to this place and I was like, and then all the 15 letters, if you, put them together with spell that will you marry me right which is to show like for a long time I wanted to marry her and I knew that this was going to be a thing and now the way it actually happened she didn't actually enjoy the proposal very much so um, because she had planned this surprise birthday party for me and then I figured out that she had surprised my birthday so I was like you know what I should do is I should surprise her with a birthday with a proposal when she thinks that she's surprised me with the birthday party, oh. right? Yeah, and so then I was like, okay. So I worked with him, like, hey, this we're gonna great. we're gonna perfect. switch the place, the location of the party from your house to this like random church out in the like country. So it's a pretty place to like propose. And so she's so she's there though, and I'm proposing. I'm going through. I think she's like figured out like that. Hey, there's nobody here. You know, where I'm proposing to you that there wouldn't be other people. But the whole time, she's worried that the people are all there just waiting for us for the party, you know? And she, if you know her, she'd be the last person that would want anyone there for a proposal, right? It's like if the worst thing, the way to get her to say no would be like, I'm going to do it at like a Blazers game, right? Like, like no, no, no. no. Uh, so like she was just a little worried the whole time. So like I was like, so like we propose and she's like happy, but then she just keeps, we start walking around. She's just looking around, you know, at like barns and stuff. It's like, where are the people? I'm like, the people aren't here, right? <laughs> like They're at the party, like which we're going to go to, which is an engagement party now. So, um, but that's a story for her and me. 
the secret or the secret whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, it is all about like, communication, hmm. radical vulnerability. Like, we really do. We practice that a lot. Like, I, I, I just am honest about everything. And she's honest about things. Like, I mean, we even talk, we talk about this, like, you know, even when there's times, like we talk about like what goes on in your brain, right? Like when, like when you're attracted to somebody, right? You know, you're not supposed to be attracted to somebody, but like when you're attracted to somebody, like not necessarily being like, hey, it's just a, like, you know, when you're not lusting after that person, right? Obviously that's a sin. But when you're attracted to somebody and you're like, hey, like sometimes just talking about it with her as I've done, like there's just these interesting things that like, I'll let her into this part of me that like, oh, I don't think I could ever like just admit that I'm attracted to this other person or whatever that actually like brings such deep connection and deep, deeper levels of intimacy. And so, yeah, we struggle when we're watching a lot of TV, not spending time talking and having those conversations and like I'm distant and, but when, when we're being intentional about like talking, connecting, um, just praying, like all those things, like that, that's huge. That's mm. huge for us. And so I think we've been blessed just by the fact that we're also, we're very compatible. Like we don't fight very much. Like I, this sounds like, oh, this is like really awful. Like this isn't very like encouraging, but we really don't fight very much. Like actually I remember when we were dating, I tried to yell one time, uh, over some Taco Bell and, <laughs> and she just, cause I grew up in an Italian house where that's, you just, everyone yelled all the time. And uh, that's just <laughs> that's how, I was just talking, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you go to my house and it's literally like my parents' house and it's everyone talks over each other the whole time. No kidding. Yeah, yeah it's just like, Hilarious. it's Italian. Like everyone's I love there. it. Um, and uh, so me just learning to not talk over people is uh, is its own thing. But yeah, I remember trying to yell at her one time. It was like early-ish uh, and she just starts crying <laughs> and she just shuts down entirely. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work, right? Like, that's just what I remember. I was like, all right, I'm not going to be able to solve issues this way. And so it just kind of connected that like, this isn't ever going to be okay, right? Like, and so that's been really helpful to help save me from that. Because I used to struggle a lot with anger as a kid. Yeah. But like, just taking yelling off the table has been really helpful. Taking some of that stuff. And so we still get angry and like, we've worked through a lot about like, just our different personalities. Like she, sh- she shuts down a lot more, like won't say things. And I'm always like trying to get it out of her, like, hey, be authentic, be authentic, you know. Um, and then, but we've grown in that. Like, what does it look like to for me to be patient with her, for her to open up more, and then vice versa for me, even though I look authentic, for me to care a lot more about not just getting to a good outcome, like you know, like I'm gonna get through this so I can get to feeling happy, to like actually processing emotion, being okay with not being okay for a while, Ooh, and like, that's good. Um, yeah, so I'm really blessed. I'm really thankful for her. And I, I just think it's just about communication and, and loving Jesus, keeping Jesus the center. Like yeah. we both like really desire heaven. <laughs> it sounds super weird. Yeah. What, I die, what I desire the most is like the new heavens and new earth. Yeah. And like, it's actually not her. Like it's my desire Jesus the most. Has and, to then, be. and then when you desire Jesus the most, and then you start to see how your love for her pales in comparison to his love for her, then you start to like not be like blaming her for not loving you how you should be bla- loved. And you start to just get out of that. And you start to say like, oh no, like look how far short I am of loving her the way Jesus loves her. And Jesus must love her so much. And then he calls you, you know, David, and then he calls her to love your wife 
As Christ. As Christ. Does the church. As the church, right. Do that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about impo- We talk about all the things like, so you talked about this being perfect and forget. You know, like, it's like, and this is the other thing. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, yes. mind, and soul, and strength. Right. Love. So we think about, so when you think about being vulnerable, we often think about this these big sins. This sin, that sin, that sin. When we start to realize that we're so often so guilty of falling short of the most important mm. commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, then we start to like put into perspective, okay, I, I might think this other ugly sin is worse than this, but mm-hmm. this is what I'm called and to. And then the second greatest commandment is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And who's your first neighbor? Your wife. Your wife. <laughs> and that may That's be the right. toughest one, you know, just because you're with them all the time. And Yeah, the closest. You, the, hey, well, so the whole saying, like, you know, high fences make good neighbors, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like, and there's no fences with your there's wife, no you know, or there shouldn't fence. be, right? No Sadly, fences. I think they do sometimes build, but yeah. So, so David, walk me through a little bit about the journey of, you know, having kids. And um, I know your little boy has cerebral palsy. Is that, did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Um, just, you know, the challenge of, what God's allowed you to, to uh, endure, embrace, and the joy of that, that's something I want to hear you talk about, some of those challenges of having kids, what that look like. Yeah, so um, with kids, it's I, I remember with, with Nova, it was like, when we first had Nova, kids are awesome because kids are like, they really reveal your selfishness well, right? They're like, oh man, all my time is gone and... I need to not be selfish. And then solely kind of took that to the next level. So, you know, when we found out he was um, sick and just that whole process of basically just, you know, four months living, like just being up at OHSU worrying, like just in prayer. And I really believe God like healed him in the womb. Like I, I believe that. I believe like there are people that came over and prayed and, and especially at that 20 week mark, right when we found out like just the differences between that and the next ultrasound, like I think God has done a lot of healing in his life. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And so when he was born, it was hard, but we, I was just overwhelmed. I think we were just so overwhelmed with thankfulness because of how healthy he was mm-hmm. And that God had like taken this like thing that when I remember crying out, like if there's just like a 2% chance he could live, like, can we just, you know, and, and to see where he is without having that hope initially, mm. um, is so amazing. And so like keeping that in the fore, I was uh, last night, we were literally looking at like some old ultrasound pictures, the first ultrasound, and you can just see him. It's just like, he's just. It's all like, there's no space. You compare it with like Nova's ultrasound and it's like, she's got all this room and he's just like crammed in there and like, it looks like it's hard to breathe. And then you just look at him now and it's like, it's so amazing. And and I'm consistently blown away. Like we, we sometimes just like, I know my wife and I, you know, we'll worry about, is he going to walk or is he going to talk? And just like, now he's cruising in a walker and he's using sign language and like, it's just amazing to see his faithfulness. And then and then beyond that, like his love, this kid's ability for joy and love. I've never met a kid that just makes me as happy mm. when you just his smile and his just heart and and I I don't I don't know. It's like it is just this gift. It's this gift to be able to, yes, minister to other people who are going through a hard time potentially, but it's also like to be able to see God's blessing in the midst of hardship. And his like blessing in the midst of sickness, you know, because it's not, we know that like in heaven, he's not going to be sick. Mm. 
Mm-mm. You know, and we pray and we need to be faithful in praying for him, you know, for healing. I want to continue to be faithful in that, you know, even if it never comes, you know, and being okay with that, but yeah. knowing that it will come, it's going to come for sure in heaven. Right. Um, so understanding that this isn't how it's meant to be yet. Like all things in life, like our sin, like our stories, God redeems it and God brings like greater joy out of it. And so, I don't know. I've been so thankful. And my wife, she is, so, she, I mean, it's been very, it's hard for her. I mean, she's the one who like just takes him to appointments, like multiple appointments a week usually, and is just caretaking and, and going all these, actually still feed him, you know, um, there's a lot more for her and for us, but, but also seeing the joy and her love for him and mm. his faithfulness and all that. So, yeah. yeah. What a great story. God is good and he redeems people, you know. It's pretty, it's what he, he's a God of redemption for sure. Walk us through, we talked about the word revival. Um, I know you went to an event recently in what, February? Yeah. And then, and then lead into, let's end on where God has you today in ministry and kind of the challenge with that and what he's calling you to do. Yeah. So um, it's amazing timing, this interview, because I feel like God is kind of, even yesterday, just brought such like there's just these periods of of stepping out and risk and and then there's moments of those answer where you're like he starts to just I don't know sh- just continue like confirm what 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 he set you on so yeah I'll start with I told the very beginning of the story a while ago which is just I was going through this time of like hardship in the business starting to be at joy at peace with what he is like he feeling that he had something more for me and then it was super bowl sunday yeah when i heard of this thing called the asbury revival and i don't go to like a pentecostal church or anything like that it was just something that uh, one of our elders uh, texted me, was like hey have you seen what's going on in asbury and what happened at asbury to college in kentucky was that these students have started just breaking out into worship and prayer and confession and it had just gone non-stop for days on end and it, it basically was i think it was in the two week mark when i when i found out or the first week mark and it was just keep going it was 24 hours and uh a day and it was like hey this looks like revival this was very well could be revival and you know and i was like i threw out in like a text thread hey jokingly like Maybe we should go, um, but I wasn't serious. And then one of my youth uh, called uh, the next day and uh, no, sorry, later that night. And he was like, hey, I really feel like we should go. We should drive. And me and Seven, who's another kid in our youth, sorry, they're like in college now, but yeah. um, uh, the uh, they're both going to go, but they need like someone to go with them. They need like an adult to go with them or whatever because their parents were concerned about their car breaking down. And then um, so I started praying. I was like, I'll pray about it. You know, and then that night, man, really felt confirmed, like I should go. And and then that morning, another elder was like he was going to go and he'd raised all the money overnight on Facebook to go take this. And so we drove across the country to Asbury. We drove. Yeah, it was like 40 hours. That's a long and, and drive. And we, we stopped once for, for, for a night. Like we went through the night. And this is winter, right? We're like through the night on like Utah. Like it's just there's there's like semis on their on their heads as you're driving. And you're like, all right, like I'm driving on ice. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even know. And uh, and we may have forgotten the chains, uh, but it's okay. Uh, and so we, uh, yeah, we made it. We made it there. And man, I remember that first night just going down to the altar, not even wanting to go because I was like, you know, like feeling a little bit like, but then being pulled and man, God just meeting me in his presence and just starting to rip open and, and do, I, I heard it described that the glory of God, when, when God manifests his presence in his people, 
there's this opportunity for like this him to just like break you open to start to do operation on you, like to do surgery on your soul. And that's what it felt like. And just that that time there, man, just man, there were just times where man there for and it was just the whole time. Like, yeah, that for me, he did particular work that first night yeah. on the altar. But also just the whole week, it wasn't like it diminished. It was just more and more he was doing in, in his glory and the spirit of God just filled that place yeah. and people were were broken and, and he was changing lives and working. And, um, and man, like, and I mean, there was one time where we broke out singing, uh, the Agnes day, which is just, you know, and I, I can't remember, for, which is just, uh, it's the old Michael W. Smith song. I can't, it's not coming to you, but man, it just wouldn't end. It just like it was like an hour of just people just singing and the worship team is just bowing. It's it's incre- it's just incredible. And there were the, and in that moment it was like in particular it was like man it was like there were moments like that where like the heaven felt heavens felt so close like it was like we were surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses doing this together praising God together which is what we are doing. Um, and and so from that uh, I was on my way trip back and I was in the car praying. And I felt like, hey, David, it might be time to leave Skyline. And I and I've I felt this for a while. Like I'd been kind of I've been balancing both being youth pastor, worship pastor, and, and leading Skyline for a while. And I felt this in the car, like, hey, I think you might need to prepare for revival almost is kind of the thought. Um and so after that, I wrestled with it, prayed about it for a couple of weeks after that, and then eventually talked with the other owner, the majority owner of the company, and he was also like very on board with me doing it. And so started to step away so that I could pursue just full time um, youth, working with youth yeah. in, in schools and um, just doing whatever, get God to kind of open the door. Um, and so that's what I'm pursuing that full time. And, um, and so I've raised support, been raising support over the last, um, six months and uh, just starting that journey and uh, to supplement what I'm being paid from the church. And um, man, it's been incredible how it talking of a hard time. It's like, there's been moments where like, it's like, God just wants like, I'll be in these times with God. And it's like, he just wants more. He's like, okay, you need to take a bigger risk. You need to just like, stop, stop playing. Like you really have to trust me. Like stop kind of trusting me, really trust me with your finances, with your money, like with it's all hard. of those things. Yeah. And and I feel like yesterday, man, like I've been, I've been in a long, and he's provided over half of what I need to, or about half of what I needed to raise, which has been amazing. It's just seeing the generosity of people. And then last yesterday, he provided this amazing opportunity in a Christian school to be able to, to be a sub there, but also lead their like youth club that they have kind of like a little youth group and wow. chapel and, and just, and the camp they do. And, and so just, and in state and like in the state and area, so with the students that I'm already working with. And so just amazing how God like opens these these doors as we are faithful to just like be able to take that leap as when he's calling you to be like and and, and to knock on the door sometimes to be like okay I feel like this I'm not 100% sure but I'm going to go take this step because I really feel as as good as I can feel about this like my wife had this crazy level of peace right we're like hey we're going to start taking pay cuts from skyline as I make this transition and we're going to start raising support. And it's just like, and her like level of peace about that was just crazy. And, and, and she's at times, and there's been times where I'll feel more peace and she'll be stressed and then she'll feel peace and I'll be stressed. And, and it's like, God's not looking for us to do this perfectly. Like I've, I've had real moments of fear and like, you know, and real moments of like, I just, damn, this doesn't a lot of money left. And, but God like, but then continually like, okay, but I'm going to keep trusting you. 
Mm. And I can keep doing what's right. I'm gonna keep saying yes to when I feel like this is what it is. This is what I need to do. And so even if you feel afraid, even if you don't necessarily want to, if you're still continuing to do it and continue to trust him when you don't feel it, like he's gonna honor that and he's gonna he's gonna bring what he he and confirm it. And so it's been a beautiful, like it's interesting we're having this because like literally yesterday and today I, I felt this, you know, you have those periods of like where God like again is like, yes, you know, this is this yes. is where you're going. This is this is what I want for you. So yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I'm really praying. I'm really uh, and what I what I said in terms we talked about revival, and what I think about revival, man, it's what my heart's desire is is revival. Like, and I think we talk. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, we talk about revival a lot. Like a lot of people are like, man, I really desire revival. Yeah. But do we? But do we even like? But are we willing to do what? But are we willing to pursue it? To seek it? To to seek it? And it, it's not it. Like it's a gift. Like it's a, it's, it's a, it's just, you can't seek it apart from the giver, Yeah. right? You have to seek the giver. And so I think the heart of revival, the heart of Asbury and what they actually said at Asbury, which came to my mind this morning is, and I said it in the, it was my seventh point, which is that my desire is that our kids would know nothing else than churches filled with the glory of God. Hmm. You can fake a lot of things at church, right? You can, you can like, you, you, but churches are not good preaching. They're not good programs. They're not even your ministries. They're none of that. Oh. It's not what man can do. Churches are 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 God are are about seeking God's power, seeking His presence, seeking His face. You know, it's what Paul says in Corinthians. I didn't come to you with eloquent words. I didn't come to you with human wisdom. I came to you with simple words so that the power of God might be on display. And that's what, man, in Asbury, hmm. there was no fine words. There was no big bands. There was no flashy lights. None of that. It was, all, it was literally a cajon and a guitar and piano and people going up and talking. I've never, I don't know their names to this day, right? And, but the person who was on display, the power the person who was being worshipped and on display was Jesus, and His power and His mm-hmm. and, and like and that's what I long for, and um, I I I I long, and that's what I mean by revival. Like I think about what it's done in my heart. Like I think about where I am today, even where I was. Set. And it's not that I haven't been walking with God or even pursuing Him before, but like when you're in revival, it's like He pushes the fast forward button a little bit, right? Like it's like it's like it's like He does surgery on your heart and he and he yields and yields it more and more to 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 you. And so so when I think about revival and I that's what I long. It's like it really is like the only thing more powerful in the forces of darkness in, in this generation, generation like Gen Z and and I mean I they've been attacked a lot and we're all attacked, but they're particularly attacked. Um is the only thing more more powerful than that is the spirit of God. Is yeah. the presence of God. Like and in in comparison like when you experience the presence of God, which can't be manufactured, it can be pursued, right? But 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 only out of love and just wanting Him. Like it's not about anything He gives, right? Just Him. Um, when you see that and you compare it with what we try to do, mm-hmm. it just the difference is so real, right? Like the difference is so real, and so our like. Um, has revival come 
like to Staten or, or, or Salem? Like, I, I don't necessarily like think so. I don't think it's necessarily like, like that the, the it's in its fullness. But I do feel like God is really at work tilling the ground, preparing the soil and starting the seed potentially that that I hope, that I pray for, that I desire, that I yearn is 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 the glory of God mm. manifesting in our midst to bring people to himself, right? Um, and so that's that's my prayer and that's, yeah. You're sticking to it. That's all I want, yeah. Bro, that was really heavy. That was profound what God's doing in your life. As a young guy, at 27, I was nowhere, I was a new believer. I always tell people I didn't know one Bible verse when I came to the Lord at 27. And I grew up in church. So to see where you're at, what God's doing in your life is really profound. So we're going to wrap up, but here's what I want to, is there any last words of wisdom? And then how do people support David in his ministry? Where do they find you to go, hey, I like what you're about. I'm all in. I commit to providing whatever God wants me to provide, whether it's prayer, money, support, however. How do they get? How do they get a hold of you? How do they contact you? How do they? How do they give? Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll just to give um, and to support what we're doing. Uh, man, I would. If anyone is interested in that, humbled. <laughs> um, and uh, by the time this airs, because it's not airing right now, right? It's airing in like a week. Okay, one week. So <laughs> by the time this airs, I will really try to have uh, a website up called gotogenz.com which is what I've been working on um, and it's connect. So you'll be giving through my church to support pastoral residency program that they have. So um, there'll be a link there. Uh, I'm kind of on missionary through my church, uh, which is Grace Bible Fellowship in Staten. And uh, so that's who you'll be giving to, not just giving to me individually. Yeah. Um, so there's that accountability there um, and that structure there. Uh, but also, yeah, I'll be having a, uh, I'm linking a URL to that called go to gen, go to gen Z.com, go to gen Um, and then, uh, if that's not up, it'll also be on graces, uh, grace org, um, on the pastoral residency page there. So yeah, um, that's the places to find me, to get in touch with me. Um, yeah, I, um, you can also go through Skyline Video Production and search me down that way, whatever, like yeah, different yeah. ways. Um, if you are interested in giving, don't just like give online, right? I, I just want to have a, I want to just meet and have a conversation. Yeah, it's all about relationship. This is like an organization. This is just like building a relationship and a friendship. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, my phone, phone number? number is 503-979-2141, 503-979-2141. So yeah, just give me a call straight. Like, yeah, it's not about going through a website or whatever. Like, yeah. I just want to build relationship and include you. And that, the whole website is just to keep people who are supporting and totally. praying for us to just update them and, yeah. and, and, and that. So not, not anything separate, not like an organization or building a nonprofit, just one a relationship yeah, or yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. But yeah, I, uh, in terms of last, last words, um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing, the most important thing, um, uh, I heard, I think Mike Bickle say this, and I think this is so true. Uh, Mike Bickle's the, he's like the founder of IHOP internationalized house of prayer. And, and he talks about how, he longs for the first commandment to be in first place in the church. <laughs> that our mm. that that our whole churches are just about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Um, and it's not just emotional, right? <laughs> 
but it is not not emotional, right? Like, yeah. uh, it's like, it's, it's all of you. It's your heart, it's your soul, it's your mind, and it's your strength, right? It's all of it. Um, and, and desiring that in unity, that, 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 that that's what unifies the church, is when we're focused on that, right? We can come together as these different tribes and just realizing that all these denominations, when they're faithful, are usually more like just disciples arguing who's better than the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm the greatest disciple over here. But like, when our, those, that's when our eyes are off Jesus, is it when we have unity coming together, focused around loving, pursuing, praying, seeking the face of Jesus. Like that's what it matters. That's what matters. And that's abiding in the love of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, that'd be it. Um, wow. I'm, yeah. And on the whole 27-year-old thing, um, it's, I don't know. I'm, I am humbled by what God has done in my life at an early age. And I, but I don't think it's like a special thing outside. I think I've seen other 27 year olds. I've seen 21 year olds, 22 year olds, I think are just filled with this passion and filled with the spirit. And I don't think it has to do with age or any of that. I think it just has to do with proximity to Jesus Mm. and allowing yourself to like, to do it. And it's like, you talked about this. Like, it's not about being qualified. It's not, it's just about, it's just about following the call of Jesus and then trusting him to give you what he needs. Yeah. Right. And, and how often do we back away out of fear? Like I'm too young. I've had that all the time. Always have this fear of like, I'm too young. I'm, I'm too excitable. I have too much ADHD. I'm too kind of, my mind is too much all over the place. Like I'm too emotional. All of those things. Like, Uh, My personality isn't right. All of those things try to like, those are just the fear that keeps us back from just saying yes to Jesus and then realizing like, okay, he's going to work as I just yield and give Mm. and and it's going to be good. It's going to be joyful. And the good news is we were made in his image. Yeah. And so who are we to say we're not good enough or qualified? We're made in his image. He made us. He wired you, David, exactly the way you wanted to. You're perfect. You're perfectly, you're imperfectly perfect that's a that's an amazing way to put it you're imperfectly yeah he, he before the creation of the world had the buddy blueprint yeah ready yeah i know buddy and he's definitely imperfect my wife knows me pretty well too but god's ways are higher than our ways so well hey let's wrap up right now david it's been a pleasure just hearing your story i know you really well but i always learn new things about people on this show on this podcast so it's a great joy to to really hear more about your passion and and what's on your heart. So thanks for being part of our show. Thank you for all who listen every week. I hope you get a lot out of this message from David. I hope you'll support him. You'll pray for him, however you however God calls you to. And, uh, and again, if you want to be on the show, we'd love to have you. If you know somebody who wants to be on the show, please reach out to me as well. We'd love to have you. Well, we will see you next week. And thank you again for listening. Have a great week.